Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Amen. Before you're seated, turn the neighbor and say, you look beautiful after worshiping Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Ben. That was awesome. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, everyone can look beautiful. Praise God. Thank you for coming back on Sunday night. Woo! Amen. Thank you, Pastor Hartley and Natalie for having me. Uh, it's been a great week. How many of you enjoyed presents? Um, at the end of last year's presents, I thought, how, how can we get, you know, better than last year? And then suddenly this year was so much better. And then now it makes us more expectant for 2016. Amen. How many of you know who is David Crowder Band? Wow, to be able to see him in this part of the world is going to be great. I'm coming. Amen. And uh, cool. If you have a Bible tonight, turn with me to Second Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 7. I promise you this is the part 2 of what I shared this morning. I'll read the passage and I'll tell you why in a while. All right? Second Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 7. And the sons of the prophets say to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servant. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron flow. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. Let us pray. Father God, we want to look to you right now in our worship by listening to the teaching of the Word of God. Father God, I pray that this Word will be a revelation to all of us. It will be a Word that will change us and uh, change us from the inside out in this brand new season of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say, Amen. I actually have two of my guys here. Uh, George is my business manager and Keith, one of our pastors. So, good to have them. Yeah. Uh, it's actually very rare to have them uh, so together in, in, with me overseas. So it's kind of like nice. Uh, I want to share with you a message entitled Bigger. Amen? Bigger in every good sense of the word. Not, not bigger on the waistline, alright? And um, bigger in our faith. Everybody say amen? amen. Bigger in our capacity for the work of the kingdom of God. Um, you see... I, I, I don't, when, when I'm back home, uh, I can say I'm older because back home in our own church, I'm one of the oldest person, which is quite terrible. Like, I'm only 16 and, and, I'm, and I'm oldest. But, um, but then again, I guess I'm, I'm still older than most of everybody in my church. But over the years, and uh, after becoming a pastor for so long and pastoring a church for, for so many years, I've come to realize more and more that if we truly want to see different results in our lives, we cannot afford to keep living our lives by doing the same thing year in and year out. Amen? And, and 
I know sometimes when we, when we hear a preacher or we listen to a sermon, it feels like the right thing to say, but it's quite different to try to live that in our own lives. So if we do not change our habits that can potentially limit the progress and the achievement of our lives, I want you to know that no matter how sincere you pray, no matter how sincere you do whatever that you've been doing all these years, I want to assure you, Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. So, so we've got to learn to, to maybe not focus too much on big changes in our lives, but, but small changes. For example, change your sleeping hours. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this to Malaysians uh, because you don't have a problem. Like I, 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 I walk around and ask people, like, oh, so what time do you go to bed in Australia? They say 9 or, or 10. We haven't even finished our dinner at 10 o'clock back home. Change, change your diet, you know, change your lifestyle, change the way you do things, change the way you treat people, change the way you react to situations, change the way you talk, change the way you think, change the way you drive, you know, oh man, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Don't try to be holier than thou now, and all of us, when we start driving and get behind that wheel, every ounce of Christianity left us. We always feel like we are the only one who knows how to drive. Is it the same in Australia? It's like, come on, man, drive faster. And come on, can you be a bit slower? We, we're always right. Everyone is always wrong. So I married a wife. And my wife told me, say, oh, you happy now? That you have screamed at everybody else? It's tough. We've got to change. Send your neighbor, say, not your neighbor, say, you've got to change. Small changes. You see... Dreams are great, but habits are more powerful. Dreams are great, but habits are more powerful. Everyone has great dreams. They want to achieve this, they want to achieve that, they want to do this, they want to do that. But really, it is our habits that determine our dreams. If you have a big dream, but you cannot wake up early tomorrow morning, I don't care what dream you have, nothing's going to happen. If, if you have a big dream in life, but you cannot turn up for work on time, punctual, I don't care, you want to be the CEO, you want to be the manager, I can assure you, nothing will happen to you. I want to share this message because 2 Kings chapter 6 is the beginning of a new season in the lives of the sons of the prophets. I shared with you this morning how anoint, the anointing of God began in the life of Elijah. It started with him because he was willing and he was obedient to God. He delivered a message that was not popular, but he still did it. And then I shared with you how the anointing passed from one generation to another when Elijah chose to serve the man of God. And the Bible tells us that a double portion of Elijah's anointing came upon Elisha. And after that, it could have become two times more into the next, uh, uh, the student, the servant's life, which is Gehazi, which means it could have been four times more than what Elijah had, but the anointing of God stopped because Gehazi was greedy. He took something that he was not supposed to have at that point of time. He, he could have had it. He could have had it because when he became the prophet, when he prayed for people, 
and people get healed, he can receive whatever he wants. But he did not. He, he took it ahead of time. He lied. And he was greedy. And the anointing of God stopped. And now, the school of prophets, the son of the prophets, suddenly come to a new season in their lives. Because the older brother is gone. Because Gehazi left the presence of God and because of his greed, Naaman's prophecy cling on to him. Second Kings chapter 6 is a new beginning. I want to share with you this word because if you're believing God for a new beginning, a new season in your life, there are lessons in these few verses here that are very crucial to how you will, you will face the new season in you. Amen? Verse 1. And the sons of the prophets say to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Lesson number one. The moment you engage life, you enlarge. The moment we start to do life with one another, our lives become bigger. Are you with me? So, so Elisha spent time with the sons of prophets because they lived together and because of the influence and the impact that he had in their lives. As a result of that, the place was becoming too small for them. They were not becoming fatter, or, but, but there were more and more students coming into the school of the prophet. Are you with me? And, and if you look throughout the scripture, Jesus spent three and a half years with his disciples, and 2,000 years later, the church is still growing. Amen? The church is still enlarging. Discipleship is nothing more than just engaging each other's lives. Learn to talk to people. Learn to do life with others. Learn to, I mean, if you, if you find yourself, you don't really know somebody in church, spend, spend time with them. Spend a week with them in the mission field. And every bit of it, every bit of them, you will come to know their, their behavior, their, their attitude, how they react to situations. But maybe it's a bit scary, but when we engage life, we enlarge. I spent a lot of time with my leaders in the early days and we did life together and, and many people asked me, uh, so, so pastor, what, what is the, the, the key to church growth? It's a very stressful question because uh, I want you to know that I really do not know what is the key to church growth. Are you with me? Like, like I can give you the so-called nice answers like, oh, we prayed a lot or we did this, or we did that. But, but I really, maybe it's a combination of many, many things that the church began to grow. But one of the things was, we just love hanging out with each other. Amen? It was just a functional community. Uh, we were not perfect. We were not way too awesome. And, and, but we just... <laughs> is it okay to say that? We were just normal people. We, 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 we loved to have dinner together. We, we, we would go and watch movies together. We would go and play... Bowling, no, we did never played bowling. We, we played that ice, uh, no, not ice hockey, the air hockey. Yeah, yeah. It, are you with me? And, and bec it's, it's a natural extension of when we start to do life together, people, oh, you guys are normal. You, you, you church? Okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this. I, I've learned over the years, because the church grew and kept on growing, uh, we have about 2,000 people in our church right now, and, and it's a pretty big church. Uh, sometimes I find it quite embarrassing because I walk around, oh, hi, so nice to see you, and, and oh, you must be new, and, and welcome to church. Uh, Pastor, we're not new. I, oh, really? You came last week? No, we've been here for five years. I'm like, oh. 
darling me. So I've learned to keep my mouth shut now. And oh, so beautiful to see you here today. So, so I'm the pastor, and, and I realized that when the church got so big, um, I, I can't remember everybody's name. So I will walk around the church after the service, and I'll randomly pick people out from the crowd and say, I'm cooking dinner on Wednesday night. I would like to invite you to come. And, and then, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> uh, nobody clapped at this point before. So I'm uh, taken by surprise. You know why? Because the first time when I did it, my church members got so worried. Oh my God. Okay. They, they were thinking like, maybe we've seen in our lives. Maybe the pastors want to talk to us, right? Is it going to be a whole night of confession? And, and, and some of them started reading the Bible. Like, just in case there was a test. Because if we can't answer the Bible study question, then we don't get to eat the dinner. It was funny. Like, they, they really got paranoid. And, and they started calling the leaders. Because they were not cell group leaders. They, they were not leaders that I, I see. But I just picked them out from the crowd. Like, hey, I, 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 I don't always get the chance to talk to you. So why don't you come to my house? Because I'm the pastor. I hold the mic. I speak. And they, they don't have a chance to say anything. So when, they, when I invite them to my house, I don't talk. They talk. I listen to their stories. So it is a good platform for me to hear them. So, so when I started doing that, and all my leaders started doing that, in the beginning, it was crazy. Everyone was so nervous. And, Pastor, is there anything we should do? And everyone was like trying to be at their top. I, I said, no, no, just sit down. I'm, I'm just going to cook a simple meal. And then the, the point is fellowship. I want you to know that after many years of doing that, I'm very proud and I'm a very successful pastor now. You know why? Because these days, I don't have to invite them anymore. They, they, they crash into my house. They call me and say, Pastor, are you cooking tonight? I, I'm hungry. I'm coming. So one time I invited one person. She said, when she turned up, she said, I, I brought my sister because I, I think the cooking is going to be awesome. Like, can I bring uh, my, my sister's here? Oh, I said, come, come, come. I, I realized that when we open our home, when we do lives with people, we just become bigger. On the inside of us, amen? A lot of people are quite paranoid about opening up their home because, oh, my house is not tidy. Oh, you know, if they come, it's going to get messier and there's going to be, you know, spaghetti sauce on the wall and, and the chairs. And I'm going to spend a lot of time cleaning. But I, I, I told my wife, I say, I don't want us to look back at our own lives and then when we reach 50 years old to realize that we never, ever invited anybody to our house before. Are you with me? And then God will come after me and say, what have you done with the house that I've given to you? I was just at home, man. Like, no! Uh, are you with me? It's not a performance thing. It should be a lifestyle. It, it used to be something that we like doing. Amen? You, you don't have to be the top chef in your country. You don't have to cook amazing food. I, I tell them, I eat this, so you eat this. Right? It's, it's not... Like the biggest catch of the day is not like the best of everything, but just fellowship. Break bread. And everyone say, if you want the church to grow, if you want your life to grow, do life with people. Simple. Amen? It doesn't matter. Whatever you eat, the point is, do life with people. The, the, the prophets engaged lives with the sons of the prophets, the students, the servants, and as a result, the place was not big enough for them. Verse 2, and then they say, please, let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. So 
they went down to the Jordan. The Jordan means a place of downflowing, which means a place of wealth and prosperity. I want to ask you, is going to Jordan a good vision? Yes. Is Jordan a good place? Yes. But knowing, even knowing that that was a good place, they shared their vision with the man of God. Now, you must remember, in the days of the Old Testament, the man of God is a representative of God himself. So, basically, what it means is, just because they have a new vision, they did not just do it on their own. They, they brought it before the man of God. They, they told him, please let us go to the Jordan. If God ever gives you a new vision, a new dream in your life, always make it a point to talk to God and talk to the leaders that God has appointed over your life. Amen? And, and share with them. Oh, I, I think, you know, tr- try to discover God together. Don't, don't make up your mind and then go and tell your pastor and say, Pastor, God told me to marry this girl. If, if you come to us, pastors, and say, God told you to marry somebody, what am I going to say? I'm not more powerful than God. If God already told you, that's, no, no. Why don't, why don't we learn to discover the will of God together? Amen? Proverbs 16 verse 9, the Bible says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalms 37, verse 23 to 24, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Amen? Live your life, alright? Sorry, one more time. Plan as if Jesus is not going to come back in a thousand years. But live your life as if he is to come back tomorrow. Amen? So, it doesn't mean, oh, Jesus is coming back, better don't plan, what's the point of planning? After all, we're going to go to heaven. No, don't do that. Make full use of the lives that God has given to you right now. Amen? Verse 3, because the men of God say, go. So now it's a green light. Amen? God, God says, go, go Jordan, because that's, that's a good place. In verse 3, then one said, please consent to go with your servants. He answered, I will go. Now, we do not know who is this one, but he's definitely the wise one. He's, he did not just want to go by themselves. He invited the man of God to travel with them. And then the man of God said, I will go. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight to always make room in your life for God. Amen? Make space <coughs> in your life for God. <coughs> Allow God to be a part of of your adventure. Verse 4. <coughs> so he went with them, and when it came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. The moment they reached that place, they began to work, to work on their new dream. When we grow, <coughs> our capacity to work has to be enlarged as well. <coughs> a lot of people want a new, bigger, better dream from God. But not many people are prepared to work. You know, God, give us a new building, but nobody wants to do the work. (coughs) And we cannot always keep thinking, oh, in the past it was so good, church was smaller, place was simpler, and it was easier. When God gives us a new vision, and you want to be a part of that vision, you ought to be prepared to work. I want you to know, just because God has given us a vision, God has given us the green light, 
to do the vision, it doesn't mean growth and success is automatic. Amen? <clears throat> I've been a pastor of our church for 14 years. I started when I was six, so... Okay, so that make me 20, huh? Reasonable? Okay, all right. So, 14 years ago, but, but now that church is bigger, I preach, and a lot of people never realize this. I was the first cell group leader in the church. Because when we started, there were only 20 of us. I was the one who lead cell group. I was the one who preach. I was the one who lead overnight prayer meeting. I was the one who reach out to the new friends. I was the one who do Bible study. I was the one who, who call up the new friends. I was the one who encouraged them to come back to church. I was the one who go out there and talk to the new friends. I was the one who encouraged them to come back the following week. And, and I was the one who did everything. Amen? At some point, I got to lead worship. And, um, and, and, and Keith was right at the start with us. And uh, in the early days, everything happened in my small, tiny little apartment. And uh, I still remember when we had prayer meeting, Overnight prayer meeting, uh, there were about 20 of us. You have to find your own spot to pray. So I have two leaders pray inside the toilet because there was no other place to go. There's some in the kitchen, some in the toilet, some on my bed, some in the living room, some everywhere. But I want you to know that we, we have three very important ingredients for growth. You want to know the magic? Number one, we were young. Amen. Very important. Number two, we were broke. Even more important. Number three, the most important ingredient was that we were stupid. Like, man, we haven't got a clue how to do church. I mean, these days, when I see young people starting church, they are so sophisticated. They've got screen, they've got lights, they've got these, they've got that. They've got the, the whole band set up. They've got everything. When we started church, we only had one guitar, and that guitar was given to us by Keith's sister. <clears throat> and uh, we sing, every week we sang the same songs. Every week. Those were the days of, uh, we come into your presence with singing. Every week we sang them, man. I can tell you, no matter how anointed that song, after a while you get sick. Like, oh man, can we do another song? Well, that was the only song we know. So, so we started church. We were 20 people. And I want you to know, after the first full year of our church, I must be the most anointed man of God. I must be the best preacher on planet Earth. I, I must be the most influential pastor in Malaysia. After one full year, our church grew from 20 people to 22 people. Man, my claim to fame was at least it was a 10% growth. It's still a double figure. It was tough, man. Like, like you know, I, I was an Anglican church pastor before I started City Harvest. I really did not want to leave my church. I, I was happy. The church was growing. And, and, and I've got struggle right now. I was like, God, if, you know, you're the one who wanted me to find a new church. And now that I'm doing it, like, where's the growth? I'm supposed to stand on stage one day and say, we started with 20 people. After the first year, we were preaching, we were fasting, we were praying, we were interceding, and revival broke forth, and the church grew to 200 people. No, it wasn't 200, it was 22. I realized one thing, just because God has called us to do something, it doesn't mean everything is going to be automatic. 
it doesn't mean everything is going to be smooth sailing. The sons of the prophets went to Jordan, and the moment they reached their place of dream, they had to roll up the sleeves and began chopping down trees. And everybody say, Amen. Are you with me? Verse 5, better. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So, where's my axe? Man. This is axe from Lord of the Rings. Not axe from 2 Kings 6. So as they were chopping down trees, one of them, he was so excited, he said, Hallelujah, God, this is our new day, our new season. I am going to chop this tree and build us a new place to live in. And then he, where is my axe head? That's it. It's gone. The moment they started to work, a vision-threatening problem took place. That was the only tool they had. That was the only equipment that they had to continue with the vision that God has given to them. To make matters worse, it was borrowed. That means it did not belong to any one of them. So, we started church. I mean, we didn't grow as fast, but we really loved each other. We Man, we were crazy. We eat dinner every night together. And it wasn't like, oh man, we're going to meet again. No, everyone was just waiting. Okay, uni is over. Let's head to pastor's place and let's do dinner together. So, it was fine. And one day, I received a phone call from Pastor Kong. Kevin, we need to talk. Man, I freaked out. Like, something happened? Yep, somebody send you an email to me, he said. And quite long. I will forward that email to you and have a read. I will call you back tonight at 12 midnight. So sometime in the afternoon. I'm, I'm not a very techy person. I, I only know how to use Microsoft Word and Excel and Google. So, so I went to the office I received that email and I printed out on the printer in the church office. And as I began to read it, I realized that it was a complaint letter. We just started church. It was a complaint letter. When I finished printing them out, it was 40 pages long. I kid you not. 40 pages. So the more I read, the more discouraged I become. And, and we just got started. Like, it was difficult. We were not growing. And, I, and those days, I got to deal a lot with anger issues. I was upset with kids. Like, kids, you, why don't you reach out to the people? Why did you do this? And I got a few other guys. I was like, man, I was upset with them. I was angry with them. And, and you know, God in this grace, sometimes Keith was right, but I was just upset. Like, Keith doesn't like to wear a tie. Until today, he doesn't like to wear a tie. But in the early days, I made everybody put on a tie on a Sunday morning. And then you have this, a bunch of young people that try to look like old people. And then the young people felt weird because we are not really old people. And then old people look at us, we look weird to them because we are young people trying to look like old people. 
Maybe there was a reason why we were not growing. But anyway, so I printed out this 40-page long email. In my heart, I was like thinking, why don't you just spend the time that you took to write this email to my pastor and pray for me? And what kind of a person, if you have a problem with me, talk to me face to face. Why do you tell my pastor? So now I was miserable and I was really discouraged. Church was already not growing. And with this 40-page email, I thought, that's the end of church. That's the end of my life. I think tonight at 12, when Pastor Kong called me, he will tell me, you know what, young man, I don't think you're quite ready to be a pastor. You know, I mean, look at the complaint. Like, like that 40-page email, it's, it's longer than all that we've ever done as a church. Like, how? <laughs> you, you get what I mean? Like, I don't even have a 40-page 40, 40 story to tell. But I've got a 40-page complaint email. So 12 midnight came, and sure enough, Pastor Kong rang. I picked up that phone with fear and trembling in my heart. And I was thinking maybe I should just go back to the Anglican church. Maybe I should just stop doing all these things. Life is tough and miserable. So he asked me, come in. I said, yes, sir. You read the email? I said, I did. Well, briefly, but I did. Pretty long, huh? I said, yes. Did all those things happen? I'm like, I don't know. Like, pastor, like, I, I, I never have to deal with this before. And then he told me this. I mean, I, I was prepared to resign and leave. He said, well, young man, I want you to know, though that is the first, that won't be the last. Don't be too bothered by it. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> Put on the boat. Hallelujah. Man. With a pastor like that, you conquer the world. Like, I was more stunned after I put down the phone than before I pick up the phone. Like, is that it? He said, that's the first. It won't be the last. All right, then. Go to bed now. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was it. So, when the sons of the prophets lost the axe head, in verse 5, he says, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. There is a very important lesson here in this very short verse that when you run into, the pro into a problem, don't run away from God. Run to God. They ran into a problem. They immediately went to the master and said, Master, for it was borrowed. A lot of people, when, whenever something bad happens, they run away from God. Some are just upset with God. Do you know that it is only in the Christian faith that the believers could be upset with their God? Let that sink in a little bit more. It is only in the Christian faith that the believers can be upset with their God. I have not seen, I mean, I come from a multicultural nation. I have not seen anyone of any faith whatsoever, when something bad happens to them, it is their God's fault. No one except us. If our business doesn't do well, God's fault. If our marriage has a problem, God's fault. The woman that you gave me. And everything. I was quite stunned. When, when our church bought the property that we own right now, the business went bankrupt. And, you know, somebody talked to somebody, told me that, oh, 
the guy didn't do well because maybe he didn't honor his God enough. That's why his business was not prospering. I said, wow, that's a lot of faith. Because if it's a Christian business and they're not doing well, it's God's fault. Because God is not blessing us. And, and so here, I want to encourage you. If you ever run into a problem, run to God. Everybody say amen. So, because why? Because God is our safety and our refuge. Nothing in this life can be more important than who Jesus is to you. Not a big TV, not a big house, not a big car. No, no, nothing can be more important than Jesus. Because Jesus is for eternity. He's not lifelong. He's eternity long, and which means there is no end. If you lose some money, praise God. If you make some money, praise God. If life's well, praise God. Life's not doing too well, praise God. Whatever it is, keep praising Jesus. Amen. Verse 6. Okay, finishing. Cool. Verse 6. So the man of God said, so this is Elisha, right? Like, he's really the cool dude in the Bible. He doesn't have hair, though. So better don't talk about it because a bear might just come out and eat you up. So the man of God said, where did it fall? So he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron flow. You know what? When I go to heaven, when you go to heaven, I don't know which section we will be in, but I would love to be able to talk to Elisha for a bit. I wanted to ask, I would like to ask him when I see him, I would want to ask him, how did you know what to do when the iron axe head sank into the bottom of the river? I'm sure there wasn't a manual for prophets in his pocket somewhere, which is, you know, oh, iron axe head fell into the river. Okay, let's open to page 49. If you ever come across this situation in your life, an iron axe head fell into the river, turn, read this, and, and this is what you should do. Cut a stick from a branch of a tree and threw it into the water, and the iron axe head will float. I'm sure he didn't have that. But the Bible told us he did that, didn't it? Are you with me? I don't know how he knew. The Bible never tells us. But I think he has such a close relationship with God that he knew that he got to do something. When he does that, God will honor him. The iron axe head will float. This is a message for leaders. When people come to us with a problem, don't just give them the standard lazy answer of, okay, I will pray for you. The whole point is to get rid of them. Like, don't ask me again. Get out. Isn't it true? Does it hurt? Right? No. I want to change that. I, I'm guilty myself. I, I want to change that. So every time when people come to me, Pastor, I, I've got this problem. What should I do? I don't want to tell them I know what to do, but I, I will tell them I will pray now until God gives me a revelation of what it is that should be done. This is the kind of leaders that we ought to be in the house of God. Not just say, I pray for you, okay, go home. No! I want to be able to hear from God. Otherwise, what kind of leaders are we? Amen? So especially when people are asking you, what should I do for my future? I've got this and I've got this. Which is the best option for me? I, I, I wouldn't know. But I will pray. I'll hear from God. And I'll give you an answer that I believe is a revelation from God to me. You know what? You will never find a permanent solution outside the presence of God. Amen? 
So when people look up to you, then you go to pray. Seek the face of God and pray for them. I want to make it a point that every time when people have a need, I want to pray for them. I want to give them a word in season that will truly change and transform their lives. And everyone say, so that's, uh, so Elisha and I don't know, this is the brunch from Sydney, <laughs> not from Malaysia. I realized props quite good the whole week in conference. All the speakers have props, man. I thought I better up my game and <laughs> get some props. I bought the axe head after the conference. So <laughs> Elisha cut a brunch from the tree and he threw it into the water. I want to end with this. Can I have the musicians to come? Thank you very much. And um, he got off a stick. He threw it in there. He made the iron float. Verse 7. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. If you ever run into a problem and God gives you a solution, the Bible expects you, God expects you to go and pick it up yourself. Amen? Jesus Christ already died for us on the cross. The same Holy Spirit that was in Him is in all of us today. You don't need anything else. You're not short of anything else in your life. But there's something that you need to do. You've got to pick it up yourself. You cannot say, oh, pastor, oh, leader, I'm stuck in this situation. Can you help me? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Oh, I'm helpless. I can't do this. I can't. No, the Bible says the moment you step out of your boat and you pick it up, the miracle is yours. The breakthrough is yours. Don't expect other people to do what you are supposed to do. Pick it up for yourself. At the end of verse 7, the Bible says, he reached out his hand and took it. My friends, tonight, this is your choice. This is your decision. What kind of a life that you will live. Sometimes, the Christendom is funny. We want God to bless us. We want God to perform a miracle for us. And after a while, we want God to do everything for us. No. God has already given us Jesus. And in the exchange of Jesus, He has given us the Holy Spirit. Amen? Tomorrow, when you go back to work, when you go back to your school, to your campus, everything that you need to change your life, your world, to make a difference in the place that you live in, is already residing on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And everybody say, pick it up yourself. Step out of the boat. Take that first step. Walk with God. Your life will never, ever be the same. If God can use someone like me, I shared with the church this morning, I was in plan A, I was in plan B. I don't know what plan I was. You know, my youth group, everybody left because they left overseas for, for the studies. And then the leader came to me and said, you know what? Everyone's gone. Just you. So you become the leader. I became the reserve when the reserve could not turn up. But it's okay. 
I started off doing all the basic things, you know, after I printed church bulletins, I became the driver of the church. I was also the professional chair arranger. Man, we know how to arrange chairs. I know how to arrange chairs. And uh, we have a system put in place in our church how to make every row straight and every gap the same. And, and I used to be the, the, the male, 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 no, not male, male, like letter, letter. I don't want to sound like male, but what's that? Mailman. Like, I go to the post office and collect letters for the church. I used to drive the van and um, bring it to the offices for the treasurer to sign. It was my job. That was I, I wasn't given the title of a pastor. I, I wasn't like, my, my former pastor didn't tell me, okay, I'm going to make you the assistant senior pastor. I was just happy. I was just happy in the church. I was just happy doing all these things so that, you know, people can come to know Jesus. And um, I want you to know it's tough, especially in an Asian community. There was one time I was printing, photocopying some, some stuff in church. And um, I was printing them and helping to staple everything together so that they could use it later on in the meetings. I overheard a mother and she told the child, she said, well, you better study hard. Because if you don't study hard and if you don't do well, you're going to end up like Kevin Lee, working in church. Hey, it's okay. If Jesus can take the cross, I can take a little jab. Although it was uncalled for. But take the first step. Today, we have a thriving church. We have church plants everywhere. And we're reaching the people for the kingdom of God. Your role will become bigger. And everybody say, let's close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. Can we sing Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amazing.
I'd like you to close your eyes and bow your head in prayer. This must be the most important part of our service today. If you have heard the message, you know that your life needs to get bigger. But there's a very important ingredient that you need. Is that all of us need Jesus. My life was changed. My life was transformed because of Jesus Christ in my life. I was a young person like every other young person. I, I don't know what to do with my life. But Jesus entered my world and turned me upside down. Or the right side up if you like. My world's changed. Today, I don't just live for myself. I don't just live for my family. I live for the world at large. To preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for you and for me. Tonight in this place, while all eyes closed and all eyes bowed, if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, but you know and you know that it is Jesus that you need, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. I also want to pray for those tonight. If you've never, I mean, if you, if you probably used to love Jesus a lot, you go to church, but something happened, you were disappointed, you stopped going to church for a while. But tonight, you say, I don't want to leave a smaller life from now on. I want to live bigger. I want my life to carry purpose and meaning. Tonight, I want, I too want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. So while all eyes closed and all it's about, if you have never invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and your Savior, if you're a backslider, you say, you know what? I'm done with the world. I, I want to live for God. I want to come back to church. If you are the first or the second category of people that I want to pray for, when I count to three, wherever you are, all eyes closed, all it's bowed. No one is walking around, no one is talking. It's just between you and God. When I count to three, lift up your hands. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in this hall tonight. And you know that God has spoken to you. When I count to three, lift up your hands. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. Yes. Yes, I see hands. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. It's okay. It's not easy. But it's meaningful. Anybody else in this place tonight? Yes, I want to make a comeback to God. Praise Jesus for this hands raised. Father God, I thank you for all my friends that lifted up their hands. Father God, I pray tonight as they open up their hearts to receive Jesus into their lives to be a Lord and their Savior. God, empower them with the Holy Spirit. Let them lead a life from tonight onwards. A life that is bigger, way bigger than they can ever imagine. Use them, oh God, for your kingdom and let them to be a blessing to all those around them. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Can everyone say? Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. If you've prayed that prayer tonight, our team are going to connect with you at the end of the service and pray with you and give you a Bible. But can we please thank Pastor Kevin for a magnificent word, a word in season.